0: conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and may the Lord allow us to do just that amen striving together for the work of the gospel and everything that we do we're going to be in the book of Colossians tonight just a few more pages over Colossians. And uh, with the Lord's help, uh, we'll try to study through the book of Colossians together. Um, you know, I almost uh, jumped into the book of Ephesians once again, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, um, it's been a while since I dug into the book of Colossians in, in, in a while myself, and so not only is this a, hopefully to be a help to you, hopefully be a, a, a help to me just the same, amen? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in studying the Word of God uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line upon line, uh, at, at, all, all the way along, uh, yet there's a time and place for that. Uh, one thing I, I'm just sharing with you here, one thing I try not to do with the Lord's help is, is try not to do some uh, lengthy study on a Sunday morning. My goal for a Sunday morning service is to make it and, and intentionally encouraging and evangelistic. That if new people would come, which if any service they do, most likely Sunday morning, that that would carry that message across. And that our Sunday night and our Wednesday night would be a studying time together where uh, some of us are easier able maybe to come on Wednesday and uh, uh, for some the opposite on Sunday night. Uh, The purpose for these evenings is that we can study the Word of God together and grow together. Amen? And uh, so I hope to accomplish just that. And uh, looking into the book of Colossians, um, Colossians and Ephesians are really twin epistles. Uh, They were both written during the imprisonment of Paul, uh, and yet uh, the content within them is very much the same. Uh, For the most part, it really um, gives us quite a picture of the church itself. Now, of course, in many of Paul's writings, he always gave an introduction, and uh, for tonight, we'll probably... Uh, but mostly only get through the introduction itself of of what Paul has written in this letter. Uh, But the message that God gives to the church is what we are seeking to obtain in this book as we study it together in these Sunday evenings ahead of us. Understand that uh, in the book of Ephesians, the emphasis is in Ephesus, the place of Ephesus, and it's speaking toward the church and or the body of Christ, whereas the book of Colossians is emphasized to the people of Colossae, and the focus is of Christ, who is the head of the church. And so, where we have the body of Christ being the focus in Ephesians, we have Christ himself being the head of the church, being the focus in the book of Colossians. If you would look with me in the beginning of the chapter, verse number 1 of Colossians chapter 1, the word of God says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see Paul writing to this church, this church at Colossae. It's from our understanding that uh, this city itself is located approximately about 100 miles or so inland from Ephesus. In fact, it was Colossae that uh, we never, at least from what the Bible tells us, it doesn't appear that Paul had actually ever been to the church at Colossae, but rather he had heard of their testimony. And as we'll look together in this first chapter, we see very much reference being made to this. Uh, The Church of uh, Colossae is never mentioned in the book of Acts for all the content and all the churches that are mentioned within the book of Acts. Uh, The uh, Church of Colossae is one that is not mentioned there. Uh, We're talking about a church of unknown people, a church of really relatively a very small town, but yet their testimony uh, ringing a, a very bright light, of what God had done in their lives. And so uh, will it, really what Paul is doing, he's um, writing a letter of, you might say, inspiration, uh, yes, from the Holy Spirit, but inspiration to inspire them, to encourage them, because he's heard of the walk in which they're living for God, of the testimony in which they have of God. And so understand that this church, the Church of Colossae, and, and the, the church whom he is speaking to is an outgrowth of Paul's ministry within Ephesus. Uh, this is an outgrowth of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. We know that Paul was in Ephesus for about three years, and uh, so uh, all that is mentioned and really that is given in content of um, the church at Colossae is within the book of Colossians. And uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse number 8, the Bible says this in a reference to that connection of the, the church of Ephesus and the church of Colossae. Acts 19 verse 8 says, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And then in Acts 19 verse 10, the word of God says, and this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And uh, so the, the word of God is spreading uh, and, and, and the, the influence that Paul is having in one place is affecting the other places around it uh, may i say w- what we can learn from that alone is that the influence that we have in community bible church can have a, a tremendous effect on the other communities and towns around us amen and may we not only have effect just on our community but may god allow us to be an an, an inspiring encouraging uh gospel leading church Uh, that would encourage other churches in the small towns around us to go forward with uh, with a further testimony for Christ. And so uh, we see, understanding the context, the people of Colossae are being written to by Paul. The work that had begun there, the church itself, from what we know, it appears, was an outgrowth of the work in Ephesus. And so we see in his introduction, he gives a, a particular emphasis upon his prayers that he's giving towards them. Now, I'll remind you again, this is an, a prison epistle, as we call it. Paul's in prison at this time. And so, uh, really, um, we could consider this to be a, a prayer for them, which, if he had a list, I don't know, but this is a, a prisoner's prayer, is what I've called it, a prisoner's prayer. And we see within these first verses together, notice with me, first of all, the spirit of his prayer, the spirit of his prayer. In verse number three, the Word of God says, We give thanks to God. And the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see his prayer is a prayer in thankfulness. His prayer is a prayer in thankfulness. The only discussion that he had of others was the discussion which he had of others toward God. It was not a discussion of gossip. It was not a discussion of conversation of do, do you know what, or what I heard about so and so. He simply heard of their good testimony of Christ and he prayed for them. I mean, I say when you pray for others, simply taking what good you know to be about them and setting aside all the gossip and you pray for them, it produces in the end a spirit of thankfulness. And uh, this is what we see uh, of Paul. He begins this very letter. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So not only did he pray in thankfulness for them, but he prayed uh, consistently. He prayed consistently. Uh, This was a continual prayer. Uh, Something I have tried to make a habit of since college is every ministry that I was a part of, every friend that I knew that was a part of a ministry, and every close friend in general or family member that I had, I created a a prayer list for myself. And uh, you may do your prayer list a little differently, but the way I would do, I had a notebook that I would already be taking my sermon notes in, and everywhere I carried my Bible, I always had that notebook. Well, in the back two pages, if we're lucky, sometimes we never fill up the whole notebook, right? So in the back couple pages of my notebook, I would turn into my prayer list. And I would start from the back, and sometimes it would end up being three or four pages. you know. But I'd come from the, the back end, working to the, to the front end of the book, filling it up with prayer requests. And so in my prayer time, I was able to, um, uh, to have all these things right before me. Every time I had my Bible with me, I always had that prayer list before me. I mean, I say when you pray for others, when you when you pray for others by name, not a general prayer, you're praying a specific prayer by name with a thankful spirit. uh, The the Lord uh, not only continues to bring those individuals to your mind, uh, but he will sweeten and soften your spirit towards those people. Also, Uh, whether it's a contentious spirit, which you had with another individual and you're praying for them or there's you're hunky dory and there's absolutely nothing between the both of you. When we pray for one another, it softens our spirits towards one another, amen? It draws us closer towards one another. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned as a pastor, one of the easiest ways, somebody was just uh, reminding me this morning, I'm trying to get, trying to remember everyone's name, right, (laughs) and get names down right. And one of the things that's helped me to be sure that I get names down right, to help remember, uh, here's Brother Thornton, and there's Levi and Ben and Susanna and Abby and, and, and all the names, is to pray for them. When you list them out by name and you're praying for people regularly, you're going to remember their names. Because if you're praying for them daily, if you're praying for them regularly, they, they, don't, they don't slip off your mind. And the truth of the matter is, if we're truly praying for each other, we're going to be discerning the needs that are there. It's very easy for me to say I'm praying for Mr. Tureen. But if I get take it the time to get to know Mr. Tureen, knowing his testimony, knowing the needs that are there, I can now not just pray for him specifically as a part of God's church, but I can also pray for him specifically in his needs. And now I follow up with my prayers. And I say, Brother Turin, I've been praying for you. Uh, you just uh, fell off a tree and you snapped your leg. How's your leg doing today? And I follow up with him and ask him, oh, I'm doing a little better. Still got therapy. I've got, uh, you know, another year of therapy that's ahead of me until I can walk again, you know. And, uh, and now you're praying before God. Lord, help him as he's in therapy. Help him as he's taking these, these next steps in recovery. And we're praying for one another is praying specific prayers. May I say, probably one of the greatest faults to Christians is we can get in a habit of praying general prayers. Lord, be with all the shut-ins. Well, those shut-ins have names. (laughs) Lord, be with our pastor. Well, in some churches, there's more than one pastor. Those pastors have names. Uh, Lord, be with our Sunday school. Well, there's Sunday school teachers. Pray for those Sunday school teachers. Uh, Lord, be with our music program. Well, what about our organists and our pianists and and, and the effort that they give towards? Pray for them specifically. as, as a Christian, the thing that we can learn from the very spirit of his prayer is in any conversation he had about others, it was a conversation which he had with God. And it was a prayer request before God to say, God, please help these individuals in their faith walk with God, in their consistent walk with God. And so it was a spirit of thankfulness. It, it was one that was consistent, always praying. You know, it's, it's hard to pray for others continually if we're not in a prayer walk with God continually. And by the way, your prayer walk doesn't just have to be behind a closed door down on your knees and praying for an hour straight. It doesn't even have to be where you have a list that's right in front of you. Um, One thing uh, that I can remember learning in school about D.L. Moody and the testimony that he had is he was a man that was always praying to God. You rarely would see him down on his knees praying, but yet he was always praying to God every every time you would be around him. He was in continual conversation with God. You know, that's a prayer, that's a prayer time with God, is when you're in conversation with Him. Someone is brought to your mind, and you say, I'm, uh, you know, Lord, be with so-and-so. You brought them to my mind. I'm praying for them. The unfortunate thing is, again, sometimes people come to our mind because of a frustration, because of the, did you see? <laughs> did you see what she wore? <laughs> did you hear what he said? You know, and it becomes more of a gossip conversation, though really it does of a, uh, of a, um, a spirit of prayer towards God. And so, when others are brought to your mind, pray for them. When others are brought to your mind, pray for them. You say, well, you don't know what so-and-so did. Well, before you turn around and start talking to other church members about them or talking to your neighbor about them or talking to so-and-so across the country about them, talk to God about them first and pray for them. And God will soften your heart towards them, and the whole, uh, very, the, the whole temptation to have a wrong spirit towards them will be slowly removed. Because now if you're genuinely praying before, before God... For that individual, those needs for them are going to be at the forefront of your mind. So we see his spirit of prayer. Notice, secondly, the motivation of his prayer. The motivation of his prayer. We see he was motivated by, first of all, the testimony of the church. I mentioned this already, but notice what the Bible says concerning their testimony. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith, there's the first thing. You marked your Bible, I marked that. In Christ Jesus and of the love, there's the second thing which ye have to all the saints, for the hope, there's the third thing, which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. There's the fourth thing, as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. We see faith, love, hope, fruit. Here they have a faith, a clear testimony of faith in God. They know the Lord. There's been a, a, uh, a time in their life where they put their faith and trust in him. Hey, when you pray for others, the first thing you should be considering is their own, that own individual's salvation. You know, the very reason why that individual uh, may be driving you up uh, the wall and, 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 uh, <laughs> and driving you out of your mind or, or uh, it seems like they're intentionally after you, maybe it's because they don't have a faith walk with God. And so as you pray for others, pray for their faith. And here he's saying, what motivates me to pray is knowing of your testimony of faith, but yet I continue to pray for you that you would uh, live a life from faith to faith. You've accepted God by faith, and now you're continuing to live by faith for God. And so, um, you know, that should also bring back to a, uh, a reminder for us in our testimony. Do we have a clear testimony of faith? When others see our, the way that we live our life, the things that we do with our life, can they clearly say, you know what, that individual has a faith testimony, a life with God. And notice the second thing. We see a love. The Bible says, and a love which ye have to all saints. This is, yes, a, an exemplified love of Christ, but uh, it is in there. Uh, and Brother Terene, I don't think I got this, <laughs> this blessed thing on. There we go. It's on now. Sorry about that. But at least I'm still on mic nonetheless. Uh, The love which they had, it was a testimony of their uh, relationship with others. Their relationship with others was well spoken of. Uh, They they were never speaking illly of others. They were continually sharing the love of Christ. And this was, again, for Paul having never stepped foot on this place, to our knowledge, this was such a testimony of them, of their love to other Christians, that even he heard about it. Lord, what a wonderful testimony to have, amen? That community Bible church would be known for a church that loves the community, <laughs> amen? For a church that loves the people who walk through these doors. Uh, that it, for a church that loves each other. For a church that speaks highly of one another. For a church that shares the love of Christ in what we do with one another. And um, so many churches, unfortunately, all, all across the country become of, of uh, flesh fleshly-led Christians uh, with no desire to, um, uh, to show love towards certain people. Yes, it's easy to love the people that are easy to love, but the people that are hard to love, that's, that's where it becomes the challenge. And so, uh, as I've shared with you before, how do we love the, the ones who don't love us back? Um, through Christ. Take Christ's example of love. When Christ knew that even Judas himself was going to betray him, Yet, the, the, the very, uh, at the very time period, and knowing it was getting ready to take place, yet he still washed his feet. And so, it's praying for, it's choosing to love other Christians, even when you know they might stab you in the back the very next day. <laughs> and so, here we see uh, their faith, we see their love. And thirdly, hope. Hope, in verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Where have ye heard before the word of truth of the gospel? This hope is speaking of the confidence which they have in Christ. This is not a hope as in I, I hope that I go to heaven. This is a confidence, a hope. My hope is in the Lord as we sing to him who gave himself for me. And so our confidence is in Christ knowing that, uh, that we're going to heaven, knowing that our, our home is, is um, already set in stone where it's, it's a for sure fact, knowing that we have eternal salvation. and. Uh, so he's referencing this, but really this being a very part of their testimony, they knew that they had their hope in God. Um, I was just talking with a few people this week and all the things that are going on in our country today and the, and the things that are frustrating and, and the things that are discouraging the things that don't make sense. But here's what we do have hope in. We have hope in our uh, eternal home. Amen. If you have put your faith and trust in Christ, the love of Christ, yes, will be exemplified in your life, but you will also have a hope. You have a peace which passes all understanding. You have a a, a securely um, promised home in heaven with Christ where Christ is building mansions for us, amen? Where we'll go to sing praises before Christ continually. And uh, so this is the hope. And how is that hope made possible in their life? He mentions the gospel. Uh, You heard the gospel, the word, the truth of the gospel, and that changed your life. May I say, as the gospel has changed our lives so we should be taking the gospel, which has changed our lives, to help to cause it to change others' lives also. And so uh, as we think even upon our themes, striving together for the faith of the gospel, that which we do in everything that we do, it should be a working together to get the gospel out. Uh, as we learned in Sunday school this morning, uh, we are to uh, be a difference in order to make a difference. And the difference that we're making is, is with the power of God, His love, and the gospel at the forefront of our minds. Uh, So many Christians uh, and and churches can sometimes, they have faith, they have the love, but they're not sharing of the hope. As we've been given the uh, command by God to go into all the world and preach the gospel, uh, to um, baptize, to teach, uh, to disciple others, as we've been given a, a, a great commission before us, we having that hope, It is not that we just simply tell about the love of Christ, but that we take it a step further. Because of Christ's love, here's what he did for me. Even though I've sinned, here's what God has done for me. And so we're telling the reason why. It's easy to tell about the love and forget the sin, and yet we can't truly understand the hope which we have in God. There would be no reason for hope if we leave the sin out. (laughs) Amen? And so we're thankful that God would love us so much, give himself upon a cross, and, and make that hope possible, amen? And so what a wonderful thing that is. I could talk a lot about uh, on this passage, just speaking on that hope. What a wonderful uh, uh, truth that is. Notice in verse six, the Bible says, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. So since the day you heard the gospel and it changed your life from that day forward, you've been striving to bring forth fruit in your life. Uh, Christian, as, uh, may I remind you, yes, we are to get the gospel out, but don't forget about your own personal life. As you strive to get the gospel out, strive to bring forth fruit in your life. Uh, strive to grow in Christ, as we talked about this morning. Uh, the Bible says, by your fruit, ye, ye are known. We are known by the evidence of fruit in our life, the growth, the uh, steps we are taking in our Christian life. And so uh, this brings us to the question, what evidence of fruit is in your life? What can others say about your testimony? Is there clear fruit being produced? Are, are, clear, are people clearly seeing, wow, they're, they're, they don't just know God. They don't just have knowledge of God. They're not just living off leftovers. They've always got something new, fresh uh, uh, to, to share about what God is doing in their life. That's the fruitful Christian. They've always got new fruit to bring. Uh, we've been blessed by Brother Phil at a time or two. He's brought some fruit by our place, right, Brother Phil? He's the fruit man. And, uh, um, you know, he'll, he'll say, I brought by some fresh fruit for you, for you today. And uh, so we think in the Christian life, we should be bringing forth fresh fruit. Amen? Some Christians have brought forth fruit, but the fruit has gotten old and the fruit has gotten rotten. And, uh, and yet we're still trying to live the Christian life with a bunch of dead fruit that we're carrying around in baskets in our lives. But yet the Christian that's continually producing fruit is the individual that is striving to, as we talked about this morning, to seek God and yet, and yet also to share the love of Christ and or the gospel of Christ with others. So we see his motivation in his prayer. It was motivated by the testimony of the church. Uh, it, secondly, it was motivated by the testimony of uh, Epaphras. And we see this man mentioned in verse seven. Um, uh, look at what the word of God says, as he also learned of Epaphras, uh, who is, the Bible says in um, Uh, of this man who is he we see yet another reference of who he is first of all the testimony of epaphras is seen as being a faithful messenger he was a faithful messenger colossians 4 and verse 12 just a page over in your bible the bible mentions this man again epaphras uh, who is one of you a servant of christ saluteth you always notice always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. We don't know this for an absolute fact, but it seems in the very testimony that is mentioned of Epaphras within the word of God, with what few times that he is mentioned, it seems that he was one that was very instrumentally used to bring the message of the gospel to the people of Colossae. And so where we understand Paul's work in Ephesus, uh, it is now Epaphras who at least, He was in prayers, continuously laboring, striving that the people themselves of of what now is this church, that the people would come to know about Christ. He was a faithful messenger. We also know of him, secondly, found in verse 7 of chapter 1, once again, he was a fellow servant, a fellow servant. Uh, That is to say, he was not lifting himself up to be any higher than any of them. He was clearly known to have been a sinner saved by grace, just as they were. He was simply known to only be but a messenger of God and willing to serve uh, others uh, no matter who God would place into his life. What a testimony to have, amen? That we would be known to others to be a fellow servant. uh, That when others see your life, they would say, you know what? I can ask that individual to do anything. They're willing to do it for me. I don't even have to ask, and they're doing things for me. And the, the servant attitude is once again... Uh, such a great testimony laid out for us by Christ himself. But Epaphras himself, he was a fellow servant. Uh, He was a a, a part of the family of God, but yet always willing to serve others. Notice the third thing. The Bible says he was a faithful messenger, a fellow servant. But number three, he was a faithful minister, a faithful minister in verse 7 and 8. The Word of God says, You also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. There, that reference is made again. He was part and instrumental in declaring uh, the, the love of Christ, and, um, but yet we see and understand he was faithfully ministering to them. You see, after he brought the gospel to them, after being a messenger of the gospel, he still continued to minister. This is what we understand, that very um, teaching of Christ to disciple others, ministering to others. Uh, We're coming alongside others and finding a a Timothy, so to speak. Uh, God uses you to instrumentally lead someone to Christ. You shouldn't stop there. You should be discipling that individual. You should be setting up a time to meet with them, study the Bible together, teach them to read the Bible. Teach them what's the first step that follows after salvation. It's baptism. What's the next step that follows after baptism? church membership. How can they be involved in their church? What are things that you've done in your church to be faithful? This is part of that discipling, walking through how to live for Christ with others. Uh, there's too many churches today that that lose the focus. Yes, we get the gospel out, but we lose the focus of discipling others. Uh, somebody says, I want to see our church grow. Well, uh, we've got to get the mentality to disciple others. A discipleship desire. And so, uh, you know, it... it, it the pastor can't disciple everyone. <laughs> the pastor doesn't lead everyone in the church to Christ. It is we as God's people, we as God's church, who should continue to be faithful ministers, not just from the very moment of getting the gospel, but uh, throughout our life. And so, this is what we see of his testimony, and this is what motivated Paul. He says, "Why do I? Why am I encouraged? Why do you come to my mind in in a remembrance of prayer? It's because uh, your testimony of who you are as a church in." Faith, hope, love, and the fruit which you're producing—it's encouraging me. And he says, "Yet the the testimony of also of Epaphras is encouraging me also, and I can't help but you you come to my mind. It's causing me to pray for you. I bring you back again as someone comes to your mind before you think of anything other about them. Pray for them. As people are brought to your mind, I can fail at this quite often. Uh, when when somebody brings me a prayer request, I try to. Sometimes I, I don't remember to. It just it, I, I failed to but uh, when someone brings a, a prayer request to my mind I try to take that very moment to pray with them to pray for it at that very moment Sometimes it does not happen and that's to my own fault But uh, the motivation for our prayer is we see the need and it's causing us to pray something I try to do also and I know some of you have done this for me and in your life Also is when somebody comes to mind and I pray for them. I'll send them a text message and I'll let them know hey I prayed for you today. Hey, you came to my mind today let people know, encourage them in that way. Uh, you know, there's nothing more encouraging in life. I don't care what it, I don't, you can compare it to all the physical things in this world, but a true uh, Christian who knows the Lord and hears that others are praying for them, it means more than anything. Amen? You've been there before. Maybe you've been in the hospital bed or, or maybe you've, you've been in a really low point in life. And for somebody to tell you that they're praying for you, that goes a long way. Let me say something also along those lines. Be careful, be careful uh, that you are not being anything other than genuine when you tell people you're praying for them. Sometimes pastors uh, can be guilty of this also. They say, I'm praying for you. But truth be told, they're not even praying. Uh, And Christians, fellow Christians like yourself, regular church member attenders, we can be guilty of doing the same thing. When you pray for somebody, again, pray for them specifically. Be careful not to... Uh, just speak to those we would call our shut-ins and say, I pray for you. No, pray specifically for them. You say, I don't know what to pray specifically for. We'll find it out. You say, I need a phone number. We'll call your pastor and ask them for their phone number. I can get you their phone number. You probably have their phone number tucked away somewhere. Let people know you're praying for them. Pray for them specifically. And and as their testimony comes to your mind, let that motivate you to pray more. Uh, So as we continue to see this prisoner's prayer, we see yet a third thing. Uh, the requests of his prayer the requests of his prayer you notice a pattern by the way here uh, before he really has started praying in 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 that which he's speaking of his prayer life before he started bringing any requests what did it start with thankfulness <laughs> what did it continue with consistency what is it that motivated the 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 life that others were living for Christ and so we can understand a pattern in prayer that should that should motivate us that should cause us to go forward uh, in our prayer life uh, before we just simply bring requests. Uh, Christian, your prayers and your prayer life with God should not only just be requests. Sometimes we can uh, only pray the very requests of God, uh, 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 to God, or requests to God, and not pray in conversation to God for who he is. And we'll see that more as Paul will get to begin to... Um, as we would say, wax eloquent more upon who God is. But uh, notice the request of his prayer, verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So here he's saying it again. I'm consistently praying for you. In fact, it's it's not just me. He says, we also, the church, the church uh, is praying for you. Those others who have heard of your testimony, we are praying for you. We're encouraged by how you are living for Christ. Notice what he prayed for. Here's his request. He said, I'm praying for you, but here's what I am praying for you about. Verse 9, he praying. number one, for their spiritual intelligence. He prayed for their spiritual intelligence. Verse 9, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his, that being God's will, in all wisdom in spiritual understanding. So here's Paul's prayer, that they might get a deeper Uh, that they might get deeper into God's word, and as a result, obtain greater wisdom and greater insight of what? God's will for their life. He's praying specifically that they would grow in Christ. He's praying specifically that God's will would be the central focus of their life. And Christian, no matter what your prayer life may be, when you pray for others and you pray specifically, uh, you can never go wrong by praying for the spiritual growth of your fellow Christians. We've got a number uh, of you I know who have told me, you said, the Lord is blessed in giving a younger generation to our church and the younger generation needs to learn to step up. And and I I would say there is much truth in that. The younger generation all the way down to the teenagers needs to be taught because we're talking broken homes and a a broken system within our country and and so many things that are working uh, against one another that are causing um, the next generation to, have little to no desire in serving god but with all that being said your prayer for that next generation should be for their own spiritual intelligence that they would keep the will of god at the forefront of their mind that they would grow in christ let me get very specific with you here i'm not calling people out to put them on the spot i'm calling people out to give you an example as i pray i'm saying lord please be with Michael, and please be with Regina. They're getting ready to have a, uh, a, a wedding. They're getting ready to be married together. There's a lot you can pray for in that, <laughs> right? Pray for Regina. Bless her heart, right? But you could say, Lord, please pray for uh, uh, Anthony and, and uh, pray for Emily. Pray for Leah. Uh, Lord, please be with the Thorntons. My goodness, Brother Thornton, he needs so much prayer. You know, you're, you're going right through being specific. Praying for the needs. Praying for what you know to be true in their life. And praying for God to work in their life. Don't, don't just live a presumed life. Uh, many Christians live presumptuous lives towards others that, well, I, I believe this is what they're doing. No, find out. And, and, and the way you know and the way you remember is, yes, making a list, but more importantly, praying for them. And so we see he's praying for their spiritual intelligence. Number two, he prayed for practical obedience. He prayed for practical obedience. Uh, verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. He's not saying that they're not walking worthy. He's saying that they would continue to walk worthy. This is a practical prayer. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful. Yes, he just said they're bringing forth fruit. But notice, he's emphasizing again, this is my prayer. That you would being fr- be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he prayed for their spiritual intelligence. He prayed for their practical obedience. Walk worthy of the Lord. Walk pleasing before the Lord. Uh, This is um, in in our service towards him, in their service towards him, and may our service towards Christ be one of practical obedience. May our prayers of others be uh, that others would obey Christ uh, with all of their heart. Uh, Sometimes our prayers can become more woe is me or complainative or pulling out all the wrongs in another person's life type prayers. Pray with uh, boldness and pray with, genuine sincerity and desire, passion in your prayers. Lord, be with our youth group. Help our young people go right down through the line. Be with Susanna, be with Kirsten, be with Ben, be with Peter. Listing them all off. These are the teenagers that we have. Lord, help them to just obey you. Help them just to do right. You Are you saying they're not obeying? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you and I must be praying for them in that way. And, and you're going to have, as a Christian, you're going to have some discernment as to those who need prayer for practical obedience because you can tell the areas in which they need to be obeying God more. And so, as a Christian, you're praying for others in spiritual intelligence and practical obedience. Number three, uh, he prayed for moral excellence. He prayed for moral excellence. In verse 11, the Word of God says, "Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, if you're in a habit of marking your Bible, there's those three things: patience, long-suffering and joyfulness. He's praying for them to have good morals, that you'd be strengthened in what ways that you would have. First of all, patience. Patience and long-suffering are two different things. Patience is referring to circumstances, whereas long-suffering is referring to a relationship with people. <laughs> Uh, he's he's praying that they would be patient in the things which they're facing. By the way, Christian, are you a patient individual? It's hard to pray for someone else to have patience if you don't have patience. What about long-suffering? Long-suffering is with the very example given to us in God's long-suffering towards us. Even though we've sinned, even though we've done wrong towards God, yet God is is long-suffering. Yet God still cares for us. Yet God still prays for us. Yet God still loves us, and so uh, we think of our circumstances, patience. We think of our relationships, long-suffering. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward." Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The desire in our prayer should be that others would be drawn closer to Christ. It should be that others would draw closer to Christ. Understand, again, his prayer was that they would walk worthy. His prayer was that they would desire to grow that spiritual intelligence. His prayer was concerning their own, the morals in their life. And and, and in this case, it concerned patience, long-suffering. And we see the third thing, joyfulness. But before we look at joyfulness, understand this. That when, we, when you pray for the morals, good morals of another person, it may differ depending on who they are. It, it may differ in the, in the way that you pray for them. And again, through, through the help of the Holy Spirit, God will give you discernment as to what those needs are. If you're truly walking with the Lord without being judgmental, you can see the way others are living their Christian life and you can know, I'm going to pray for them, that God will help them too, you fill in the blank, that God will help them with these things. And so the Bible tells us that um, he prayed also uh, for joyfulness, for joyfulness. Uh, let me just come back again. Outside of that prayer, when an individual has patience, an individual has long-suffering, it in the end produces joyfulness. Amen? Uh, when you, Christian, choose to have right relationships with others and you trust God and have patience in the midst of circumstances, you will in the end have a joyful life. And this is what he's praying that as God would give them patience, as God would give them long-suffering, that they would find a joy in Christ. They would find that God is all that they need. That They would find that peace that passes all understanding. And uh, this is that uh, kind of, of patience and long-suffering um, that, um, that produces joy. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes you can be long-suffering, and joy is not producing the end. <laughs> sometimes you can be patient. And joy is not produced in the end. Just because you're being patient through a circumstance, sure, you didn't say anything at all, but does it leave you at an end result of joy in Christ? So you were long-suffering. You held back from saying something or giving back to somebody what they deserve. At the end of the day, does it produce joy in your life? Some people can be patient. Some people can be long-suffering. And joy is not involved. And so we're understanding on two lines, where there's a prayer for praying for others Yet there must also be that examination of our own life. Before you can pray for spiritual intelligence of another individual, make sure you're growing in Christ. Before you can pray for practical obedience for another individual, make sure that you're practically obeying God. Before you can pray for moral excellence in an individual's life, be sure that you are striving to have good, godly, Christian morals in your life. And so we get further understanding of this idea of joy in Galatians 5, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the Word of God says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Notice yet the next thing he prays for, patience, long-suffering, joyfulness. Verse 12, thankfulness. Yes, he was giving thanks, but he's praying also for them that they would have a spirit of thankfulness. When you're patient, when you're long suffering, when you're uh, letting that produce joy at the end of the day, you're then going to have a thankful spirit. Amen. And so, uh, here's what his prayer is, giving thanks verse 12 unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So when we lose the joy of Christ, when there is no joy that is there, you know what often what the opposite of joy is? Complaining. The opposite of joy is an unthankful spirit. And so here's his prayer, that they would be patient, long-suffering, have joy, and in the end, it would, it would produce a thankful spirit. Somebody says, I don't know how to be a testimony for Christ as I could be because I'm not good at talking to other people. Well, when you're truly growing in Christ and, and you're finding joy and living for God, it will then produce a thankful spirit. And the only thing that you have to do is share with others what you're thankful for God about. Amen? When you share with others what you're thankful for God about, you're being a testimony for Christ in more ways than you understand. In fact, you're encouraging not only the fellow Christian, but you're encouraging the non-Christian to see that you have found a spirit of joy in God. And so this is, this is Paul's prayer for them. And um, notice he calls them partakers. We have the position of partakers. Uh, we have uh, been partakers of that inheritance, of that inheritance is that eternal home which has been promised to us in heaven after receiving God by faith. That is that inheritance, the Bible calls it, of the saints in light. The inheritance of God the Father, who is the light, making us then a child of God. We are to be ministers to others, as we've seen seen, uh, already, and we're being a light also for Christ. Once again, we could look in great further, deeper detail at these things, but understand the context. The context of this introduction Of this letter is one of prayer and yet the prayer is specific and yet the prayer is with a first examination of himself before praying for others Uh, before we we won't look into detail at the fourth thing of his prayer um, but I do want to just kind of touch on it so you can kind of maybe hopefully wet your appetite for next week Uh, the Bible says and tells us of the praise in his prayer look at verse 13 the Word of God says who that being God hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I love when Paul writes, because here he's been talking in thankfulness and prayer, and suddenly it's like he took a rabbit trail, and it's like he starts talking about God and he can't stop. <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is, when God's doing a work in your life and you begin to start talking about Christ, it's going to be hard to stop. Amen? Uh, when, when God has truly done a work in your life, you won't be able to help but share it with others. And that's when we consider that joy that is produced and that thankfulness that is produced uh, a- after having a spirit of long-suffering and patience with God. It, it, long-suffering is, is founded on, it's built upon a faith in God. We're, bel- we're trusting Christ. And so yet we see that testimony of Paul himself in his praise, within his prayer, praising God for all that he is. And so we come back to, uh, as in closing, this, the what you might say application. What can we learn from all of this? May we not just study the Bible to receive a context or an understanding, but may we leave with a a challenged application. Uh, The Bible tells us that as we look together first, the spirit of his prayer. What is the spirit of your prayers? Are you one that prays in thankfulness? Are you one that prays consistently? The Bible tells us of his motivation in prayer. What motivates you to prayer? Is it simply God himself? You know, Not only did God himself motivate Paul, but the testimony of fellow Christians motivated him. Then we understand the requests of his prayer. The request was not the very first thing that he brought forward in his prayers, but yet uh, the prayers which he had were so specific that it prayed for the moral, the spiritual, the practical needs of his fellow Christians. So has God spoken to your heart? In what ways would God speak to you? As we have this, this, these next couple moments of invitation, you obey God as He would see fit. Lord, I pray that You'd bless this time now as we uh, would have this invitation, as You have touched uh, hearts, as You've touched my heart. May we respond to You. May we live for You, obey You, do for You as, as uh, You have instructed for us in Your Word. I wonder if you'd be here tonight. Could I pray